0: Better. Amen. Well, good morning. I uh, I am Tony, and Tony Baker, I'm the lead pastor. Welcome to all of you online that are watching, and those of you here. Uh, today I want to start a two-part series, as I mentioned maybe earlier this morning, about better. It's just entitled Better. Uh, let me start by giving you a quick overview of this series. It's only two parts, so you don't want to miss this next week. To, you know, it's, it's not one of those four, six, eight weeks where... If you miss one here and there, you can catch up. But you don't want to miss next week, because next week's going to be really good. Um, It's a great topic. Maybe I shouldn't say it's going to be really good if I'm giving it. You know, does that sound conceited? But we'll talk about that today, too, conceit. But I know, here's what I know. I know that every year, every year, it's like without fail, every year, especially around the new year, We all look forward and think, I hope this year is better than last. I mean, maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't know, Pastor. I mean, last year was a really, really good year for me. I mean, I'm not sure that it can get any better. I mean, if next year can just be even equal to this year, I think I'll be happy to you i would say well you can do better you can do better but maybe there's some of you here where you had a rough year it's a year that you won't forget it was a tough year and you are saying i'm glad it's over i actually heard that a few times i've heard people say i am so glad 2019 is over And let's get into 2020. Maybe you are hoping and praying for a better year because last year was tough. And I bet you've had these thoughts that you've already thought about it, about what you want to be better. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. This series is all about Hope for better. This series is one that I pray gives you hope. Because here's why. Better is possible. Better is possible. Better is right there before us. And here's what I believe. I believe that God wants a better life for you. I believe that. I believe with all my heart that God is not against you. God is not working against you. God is not bringing calamity down on your head. God is not out to get you. God is actually for you. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you to have a better life in 2020. But here's something else. This church believes that. As gateway, we believe that God has a better life for everyone. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus told us we have a perfect heavenly father. Perfect. Think about that for a moment. If an imperfect parent, those of you who are parents, you know that you want better for your kids. You know that you want them to have better than you had. You know that you want them to have better opportunities and better success and better this and better that and better husbands and wives. No, I won't say that. But you know you want better for them, right? And if you and I as imperfect parents can want better, imagine what a perfect father wants for you. Imagine that. Imagine what God wants for you. Jesus said he came that we might have a more abundant life. Jesus came so that we might have a better life than before. Jesus came that we would have a better life. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes, these are Jesus' words, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have, say it, life. And have it, say it, abundantly. abundantly. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope that no matter what I went through, no matter what 2019 held, that God's plan for me is abundance. It's better than before. And so according to Jesus, there is a better way, there's a better way, there is a better way there is a better way. They'll get it. There is a better way. Amen. All right. <laughs> Michelle, leave him alone. There is a better way. There is a better truth. And there is a better life. Think about that. Jesus gives us hope that there is a better way to live. A better truth than the one that you've, that you've been living. And a better life than last year. So today... I want to introduce you to a very important principle in life that when you implement this principle in your life, it will lead you to a better life. When you implement this principle, when you implement this idea, this, this concept, it will, and you embrace it, and you begin to live this principle out in your life, it will lead to a better life. But there's two things that you have to do for me first. Actually, you don't do them for me. You do them for yourself. The first one is this. You need to explore. You need to explore your life. You need to investigate your life. You need to explore one area of your life that needs improving. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. The second thing is you need to be honest with yourself and with God and maybe with some others around you. You need to be honest so that you need so that you can improve on this area that you recognize needs improvement. So I broke life down into five areas. You could probably break it down into seven, or maybe you have more. But but think of them as like folders on a hard drive, right? If the hard drive is your life, these folders are where everything else, all the files of your life go into. And so I broke them down, five areas of your life. The first one is this, your physical life. This is your body. This is your... Your physical well-being. This is your, you know, the, the thing you move and breathe and do God's work with. You know, I, something about the body, I, sometimes we're not good stewards with our body. And you think, stewards? I thought we were stewards with money. No, we're stewards with everything. Because everything has been given to us. And your body's only been given to you to use once. You've only got One. I know they've got movies out there where people try to transfer conscience to other bodies and all that. It ain't going to happen, all right? Trust me, it ain't going to happen. you got one body. And here's the thing that I've learned as you go through the spiritual life. And and this is an area in my life that I've had to confess to God. I've not been a good steward with my physical life. I don't eat the right things. I don't exercise. I don't take care of myself like I should. And, and listen, and this is going to get into this principle. Over time, it has its effect. Maybe maybe it's relationally. This is an area of life. So you can get your physical life. Now you've got your relationships, your emotional relationships. These are your family and your friends and the relationships that you have. Maybe you need work there. Maybe you need work in your career. Maybe you need to learn more do some more education maybe you need to advance maybe you need to embrace more of the company that that you work for and understand what they're trying to do and how you could be more part of the the solution than the problem i don't know what that is but maybe you just need in your career life you need it to be better this year and maybe it's financial this is a big area of life and sometimes the financial affects all of it because we put so much weight on economy and finance. And maybe it's spiritual. You know, you've just been floating, losing ground. Maybe you're feeling like you're disconnecting from God. You haven't really heard a word from God in a long time. Maybe you feel dry and And you're not sure what's going on. And and maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time and you're in this dry space and you just feel like, God, I want this this year to be so much more connected to you. Maybe you've never, ever known God. Maybe you've never had that experience. Maybe you've never given your heart and life to Christ. and, And you see this spiritual, and this is something that's not biblical. I mean, they tell us that everyone today is spiritual. They're all talking about the Spirit. And I'm talking about the spirit in the context of how can Jesus help you there? So you need to pick one. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I know you're like me. I think, oh, man, I got so many problems. Um, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. And if, you have a, if you're kind of like a visionary type person, you can see the picture, but you lose track of the path to get there. You, you see the mountaintop, but you lose track of the path to get there. And, and so the mountaintop for me would be, I'd just be perfect in all these. But I'm not there. And it can get frustrating, and you can lose your way trying to become all of these things better and all. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe last year you went more in debt. You you spent more than you made last year. And it's really weighing heavy on you. And you want this year to be different. Maybe it's physically. Maybe you've had a lot of problems, physical problems, and you just want this year to be different than last year. But you can only pick one. And here's why. If you pick more than one, you'll fail. You need to focus in on one today. and say, okay, God, I'm going to look, I'm going to explore this area of my life. I'm going to pick finances. I'm going to explore my finances and say, okay, God, how can I be better in that? Pick one. And then ask yourself, where have I lost ground this year, last year, and how can I change that and get better this year? Now, this message is going to help you. And I want to help you very practically in how we're going to put this out. But I want to give you a road map. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share the principle. Remember the principle I talked about? haven't given it to you yet. I'm going to share the principle. Then I'm going to give you the problem. Because in all of life, when you set out for change, you always run into a roadblock. And so we're going to talk about the principle. And then I'm going to give you the problem. And then we're going to talk about the power. Because here's the thing. You're going to need strength and power to change. You're going to need it. So the principle, the problem, and the power. First, the principle. Here's the principle that I want you to understand. It's this. It's called the consistency result or effect, or however you want to look at that. Here's what it says. Small things consistently over time lead to big things small things consistently over time will lead to big things now this is true whether they are positive small things or lar- or negative small things small negative things consistently over time will lead to big negative things in your life smoke two packs of cigarettes a day for 30 years and come back and talk to me in 30 years and let's take a look at your lungs you know what i'm saying see i didn't make that about a sin issue it's not a sin issue it's just a health issue and we all have them eating you know three thousand calories a day every day for 10 years and you're gonna put on the weight you see what i'm saying I might be able to go eat 3 or I might be able to go eat 6,000 calories today at my Super Bowl party. And tomorrow I won't gain a pound, maybe one. But if I do that every day, you see what I'm saying? Small negative things consistently over time lead to big negative things. Nobody wakes up on Monday morning and says, I think I'll go out and blow my life up today. Nobody wakes up on Monday morning and says, I think, I think I'll just go out and ruin my entire life today. Nobody does that. Nobody just simply falls into an affair. Nobody simply falls into alcoholism. Nobody simply falls into drug addiction. Nobody simply falls into $200,000 in debt. You, you know what I'm saying here? This takes time. And the small negative things add up. Typically, it happens over time because we make small compromises day after day after day, and we take on habits, and the consistency effect falls in. We consistently do these bad, these negative things, and over time, they'll lead up to big negative things. Several years ago, I had a really good friend named Mike. Him and his wife were so thrilled. They were going overseas overseas, Uh, They were taking a trip of a lifetime, two weeks. They were going to be gone. On the 10th day of his trip, he was somewhere in Mexico, I think, or somewhere. I say overseas. That's not overseas. I meant in another country. Um, He gets a phone call from his neighbor. Hey, Mike. Yeah. He said, "Uh, I just want to let you know that we had to get the authorities to your house and break into your house what what happened he goes well I was walking my dog yes yes this morning and he goes there was a river of water coming out of your garage door out into the street what had happened was when they left the day they left a leak sprung in their washer hose small things consistently over time turn into big things. And so what happened was the first day it flooded the laundry room. The second day it flooded the kitchen. The third day it flooded the whole upstairs of their house. Then it went down into their finished basement into their basement, and the house sat on a little hill that went down like this, and his garage was in the basement. So you pull into the garage, and the, it, the, the upstairs was above the garage. So it went down through, out the door, and I mean, literally, I saw pictures of it. A river of water running out of the house into the street and down the street. It looked like somebody turned on a fire hydrant. From a little leak in a hose... It destroyed their home. It destroyed, I mean, it ruined their vacation, let me say, right? And you're all thinking, yeah, small negative things over time consistently turn into big negative things. But positive things happen too. When you start to do positive things consistently in your life, you will start to see big positive changes in your life here's what i have observed when we decide that an area of our life needs to be better here's our first instinct here's our first thought we think oh i need to be committed to this and that's the first thing that comes to our mind i need commitment i need to change my finances so i'm going to commit to a budget I need to change my spiritual life. I'm going to commit to going to church at least one more time a month than the one I do. (laughs) Or I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to commit to spending time with God. And we make these commitments. And commitments are great. But listen to me. We need more than a commitment. You say, "I I thought pastors are supposed to call people to commit. Not today. Not today. Our first thought and our first instinct is we need to be more committed. Physically, I need to be more committed to eating right. I need to be more committed to the relationships in my life. I need to be more committed to God. And we even call it, I've recommitted my life to God, right? But here's what I've learned. Commitment is good. You gotta have commitment. But here's what I've learned. Commitment only get you to the starting line. Commitment's good. You need a, a brain switch. You need to settle in your mind and in your heart, I'm going to commit to this. But commitment will only get you to the starting line. But consistency will get you to the finish line. Commitment's great. But then you're just a flash in the pan. Then you just, you have this month or two of super hyper spirituality and then a month or two later, where are you at? Where'd you go? Commitment's great and you need it, but it only gets you to the starting line. We also need consistency. Somebody called it the latte effect. How many of you like lattes? Lattes. A few of you. How many just like coffee? How many of you swing through Five Lakes once in a while and get one of their $3.50 coffees? All right? It's a small thing. Somebody did a statistic and said, if you went every day for five days on your way to work and got a $3.50 latte, it seems like a small thing. And and I know what you're thinking right now. Pastor, lay off my lattes. All right? I know what you're thinking. Lay off my coffee. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do this. I'm just giving you a an idea here. If you were to take that $3.50 a day and put it into a mutual fund that yielded 6% in 30 years, you'll have $106,000. And folks struggle financially and they say I just don't have money to save. a day will turn into $106,000 and change possibly your future. Because trust me, it's much better to retire with $100,000 in the bank than to retire with zero, right? Because you can do more with that. If you want to have a better year this year, physically, relationally, financially, you need to commit... Commitment is not enough. You need daily consistency doing small things over time, positive things that lead to big things in your life. And here's a question that you need to ask yourself Where are my habits leading me? Where are my habits leading me? You're going to hear this a lot. Aren't we, Dan? Dan knows what I'm talking about. Aren't we, Nancy? We're going to hear a lot about this in future days, aren't we? Yeah, our vision team's wrapped up. And one of our measures on how we're doing as a believer of Jesus is we constantly, daily ask ourselves this question. Where are my habits leading me? And I like this because it doesn't just mean spiritual habits. It's all of life my physical habits, my financial habits, my career habits, my relational habits, my, my spiritual habits in, as well. Where are they leading me? So here's the problem. We get committed, right? We've identified the area of improvement. We've, we've made a commitment to start taking some consistent steps, but then we stop. We get to the starting line, we hear the gun, and we take about 50 meter strides, 50 meters of strides, and then we stop. We quit. We give up. It gets hard. But why? Here's the problem. When we identified this area of our life that needs improving, listen to me, when we identified that, and we said, you know, Lord, I really need to work on my financial area. I really need to work on my spiritual. I really need to work on my relationships. Here's what we've also done we've also identified an area of our life that we are weak in. Weak. The reason we get ourselves into these issues and these problems, and many times, some of it is out of our control, and I understand that, but I'm talking about the things that we can control through constant, small, positive, consistently doing every day that leads to the big... The reason we find ourselves in this situation is because we're weak we, we get out there and we're excited about it and we start the race and then the next thing you know we're tired we don't have the energy to go on we don't have the strength to jump the next hurdle we got nothing left and so we quit and some of us have quit a long time ago you've settled into your seat and you're simply just here. You've established and settled into the fact that I'm always going to have these relational issues. I'm always going to have these financial issues. I'm always going to have these spiritual issues. But you know what? It's okay. I'm happy. Are you? And so we give in and we give up and we quit because we admit imperfection. And admitting imperfection is admitting weakness. Weakness. This is often why we quit that area that we're working on. Here's something that I want you to hear this morning, and and I hope this gives you hope, because the truth is, we are all weak. Listen, none of us are perfect. Nobody is perfect. It's there. They're coming with it. I know they're. Nobody is perfect. Nobody. Everybody here struggles. And you say, well, I don't know, you know, so-and-so, boy, they run every day and they eat right and they look good. Well, they've learned over time consistently and they've done some things in their life consistently. They are better at the physical part than you are. Well, I don't know, you know, somebody they just seem so spiritual and they're always giving and committed. And I don't know, you know, well, they've somewhere in their life, made a commitment, but then they started the consistent daily work. Changing habits, changing ways of life, changing, you know, what they do when they get up in the morning or before they go to bed or during the day. They, they spend time with Jesus daily and it builds and it works and it, you grow and they're better at it than you are, but they're not perfect at it. They still have work to do. They still have growth. What they've experienced in their spiritual life can be better. What they've experienced in their financial life can be better by consistently keeping up with the positive small things. Nobody is perfect. If you are, you do not need to be here. You can leave now. And you don't ever have to come back again. Well, no, we still want to see you. But seriously, if you're perfect, you don't need to be here. We all have these areas of improving. We all have need better bodies, better relationships, better careers, better finances, and definitely better relationship with God. But here's the good news, and this is the really good news. It's good news that we're all per- imperfect. But here's the other good news. Jesus wants to help. Jesus wants to help you in your struggles. With all of these things, Jesus wants to help. Jesus wants to give you strength when you can't jump the next hurdle. He doesn't want you to quit. He doesn't want you to stop. He doesn't want you to give in. He doesn't want you to become just settled in with status quo. He wants you to keep moving. Keep doing this daily small things that lead to big things. And Jesus says, I'm here to help. I'm here to lift you up. I'm here to give you strength. Jesus wants to help you with the strength to find the consistency that you need to grow. All of us run out of strength in all of these areas of life. And today's text, and I'll move through it pretty quick. It's not big, it's two verses to bring all this together. But first, I need you to understand that when we view the Bible, sometimes we look at people in the Bible kind of like they're superhuman, you know. I I really think sometimes, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, I grew up my whole life in the church, but I remember thinking to myself that these people in the Bible were like, wow, you know. If I could just be like, I know you thought I wanted to be like you, Jared, but, you know, if I could just be like Peter, right, if I could just be like Paul or Abraham, you know, if I could just be like one of, like, Bartholomew, I mean, you're all like, who? Bartholomew got a bad rap, man. You know, John and, 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 and Matt, you know, John and Peter have these little short names, but who, who says Bartholomew? That's the only reason Bartholomew never gets the credit he's due. No one wants to say his name. Bartholomew, right? If your name's Bartholomew, I apologize. But I always wanted to be like these people and think, oh, if I could just be like them. They seem to leap tall buildings with a single bound. (laughs) Walk on water. Remember that one? Peter walked on water. We like to skip over the fact that he sank and was scared to death. We see them as these perfect people But the truth is, they all were as human as you and me. They were all as human as you and me. The same struggles, the same hardships, the same difficulties, the same weaknesses. Take Paul for an example. He wrote over half the New Testament. You could argue this morning that if it weren't for Paul, none of us would be here. We wouldn't be talking about Jesus, we wouldn't be reading a Bible. We wouldn't be praying to God. We wouldn't even know God. If it wasn't for Paul, Paul was a church planner galore. He was an active, missional dude who went all over the world planning churches. But Paul was human. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, opens up and shares something about his personal life that gives me hope. And I hope it gives you hope this morning. Paul admits. To a weakness a weakness in his life you're thinking paul weak i mean this is a guy who you know miracles happened all around this guy and yet paul says that he boasts in his weakness paul had a great weakness he called it a thorn in the flesh and the original language is kind of this idea of a tent peg which is ironic because paul was a tent maker he said, you know, uh, a messenger of Satan came and he put a tent peg in my body. That'd kind of be a problem, wouldn't it? Walking around with a tent peg stuck sticking out of your body, right? And Paul says, it's like a tent peg in my body. And Paul admits his weakness. And he realizes that God gave him strength in the middle of this weakness. Now, I want to clarify something here. I'm not going to get too much into the tent peg and the that part of the scripture i'm just going to focus on two verses but i want to clarify there's a lot of controversy and talk around what this weakness was in paul some even say that it was a sinful thing paul had this sin he couldn't overcome and here's here's what i believe from the scripture and what i've read and interpreted if you look at all of paul's writings in context This weakness that he had, this thing he couldn't overcome, was not a sin. But he says flesh. And in other places, Paul uses the word flesh to speak about the sinful nature. About this thing in us, this flesh, this this sinful nature in us that causes us to sin. And it's almost as though Paul's saying, I've got this fleshly thing that I can't stop sinning. And that's not what he's saying. Because in the context of Paul's writings... Paul talked about putting to death that flesh, to not allowing that flesh to control us, to to being controlled by the Spirit and not the flesh. So for Paul to say, oh, well, I have this thing in my flesh, it would make him a liar. It 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 would make him a guy who's expecting more out of his own church people than he is for himself. So I don't believe that this is a sinful thing and we should not use paul's weakness as an excuse to sin i'm just saying that cuz that's what i believe and that's what i believe the text says paul is speaking about his physical flesh i believe paul had an infirmity an illness a sickness a, a you know a handicap in his life that prevented him from doing everything he wanted to do and he saw it as this weakness And it says that he prayed three times that God would take it away, and God didn't. God allowed him to suffer. God allowed him to be in this situation in his life. And God simply said that you're just going to have to trust me in this. And we all have things that we wish God would just take away, that we struggle with. If it's a sin in your life, trust me, God is not too weak for the sins in our life. And God would not just let you just keep sinning. He wants you to overcome those things. So I wanted to say that I do not believe that this is a sinful thing for Paul. But it is a weakness for Paul that could derail his life. It could make him focus in the wrong places. So let's look at this. Paul says this. For when I am weak, then I am strong in the middle of this weakness in the middle of this bad thing going on he says i'm weak but when i'm weak i've learned that i'm strong now this is an oxymoron how many of you know what an oxymoron is well good i get to teach you something today all right are y'all done you want me to stop is this okay i'm a little late today i'm gonna go over and you know i don't care You might care. If you you care, just get up and leave. And then we'll all think you're perfect. (laughs) An oxymoron is when you take two words that mean completely the opposite and put them together to make one word. For example, here's an oxymoron. Act naturally. That's an oxymoron. How about this? Jumbo shrimp. And how about this This is an oxymoron. Kansas City chiefs. That, that's an oxymoron, right? Who, said, who told Kansas City they were the chief, right? Paul uses this weird saying to express this idea that weakness is a good thing in his life because when he's weak, then he's strong. And here's what gets hard for us we try so hard to not show our weaknesses we see weakness as something that is bad that when we struggle in an area of life and even in sinful areas of our life instead of looking and doing the right thing to overcome that to find strength in that weakness we hide it we hide it. Paul's statement implies that there is another force at work in me. When I am weak, then I'm strong. That implies another person is present. Because when I'm weak and I can't lift it up and I can't push it over the top, when I can't go any further in this area of my life and I'm about to give up, Paul is saying At that moment, you need to realize there's a helper present in you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus. To give you strength when you're weak. It implies this other person, this helper, one who has unlimited power when your power runs out. When you can't do it anymore, when you think it's all over. I'm giving up. I can't get better at this. I can't do any better. I can't reach my goals and and get to where I want to go. You need to understand that there is a power in you that is unlimited power that wants to take you over the top. Paul's statement implies this. Paul gives us these two foundational verses, verse 9 and 10, that make it clear. Real quick, verse 9. He says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, listen. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Paul even got to the point, he says, I'm not going to complain about my calamities. I'm not going to complain about my situation. I'm not going to complain about the things going on in my life that I don't like. They're negative. I'm not going to complain because there's things in my life that I can't overcome. He's saying, I'm actually going to boast in it. I'm actually going to look at life so differently that I'm not going to be like the rest of everyone else because I know there's a force in me that's stronger than all of it. And here's what he says. So that. Why are you going to boast in your weaknesses, Paul? Why? Who would do that? Well, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen. When you aren't content everything in life you deny the power of Christ to work in you and through you period Hmm. Paul pleaded with God heal me take the thorn from me Paul says, I did it three times. Here's what's interesting. Paul just had to do it three times until he realized God ain't going to take it. What faith Paul had. There must be a reason for this. And you know what? Jesus, if you're allowing this in my life, there must be something you're wanting to do through me. Through it. Why would God allow us to suffer and hurt because if my life is perfect then I don't need God I don't need grace I don't need power I am self-sufficient those who are powerless need power those who are imperfect need grace so Paul says okay then then I will boast in my weaknesses, not my strengths, because that just leads to conceit. Paul did not boast about his achievements. He didn't want everyone to see his spiritual healings, his visions, his churches that he planted, his awesome writing ability, right? Paul didn't boast in everything that he was doing for God in the world. Instead, Paul says, I will boast about other men. As a matter of fact, I knew a guy about 14 years ago. Later on, you can read this in the first time. 14 years ago, who was caught up into the third heaven. And I went, ooh, get the commentaries out. A third heaven? What are you talking about? He said he didn't even die. God just took him up. He said, I'll boast in a guy like that. Look, look what I've done. Look what I can do. Oh, look how spiritual I am. Look at all this. Paul says, no, I'll boast about a guy like that. But when it comes to me, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses, not my strengths. And so Paul wanted the power of Christ. Paul took what Jesus said to heart and he wanted the power of Christ in his life to So that he boosted. So he boasted all the more in his weaknesses. Then. And then this meant that Christ was the one living in him that was strong. So, here's what you want to see in this I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. This is what the first step in your daily consistency that you need to get into. Every day, you need to boast by admitting your weaknesses. You have to admit them, you can't hide them, you can't pretend. You can't ignore them. You can't pretend they're not there and just put a facade on and pretend that you're strong when you're weak. If your life is not moving in the right direction, if your life is not moving up, if your life is not getting better, but you're losing ground and taking steps back in your relationships, in your spiritual life, in your finances, you need to wake up every day and the first thing you do is you admit your weaknesses. Paul saw life in a different way. And here's what he saw. Our weaknesses... Our weaknesses, I think there's a slide, our weaknesses are opportunities to get closer to God. But not only that, our weaknesses, there's another one, our weaknesses, our weaknesses are opportunities for God to be glorified on earth. Our weaknesses are an opportunity to get closer to God, but our weaknesses are also an opportunity for God to bless the world through us, Too often, we try to go it alone, and we try to hide our weakness. You need to admit it. The second step that you need to do is the grace part. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So he admits that he's weak, and then he does this. He asks God for help. You're not going to ask God for help if you don't admit you're weak. And if you don't ask God for help, you won't get the grace you need. Grace is the changing thing in your life that changes you. It's that unmerited favor of God that transforms your heart. Man, it is hard to ask for help, isn't it? But you have to. You have to. Here's the thing we will never believe God's grace next slide we will never believe god's grace is enough until we believe we are not enough write that down man you should be writing this stuff down second corinthians chapter 12 verse 10 next verse he says for the sake of christ then i am content with weaknesses what come on paul i thought you're spoke jesus is just supposed to Take care of everything. Make life great, right? I am content with weaknesses, hardships, insults, persecutions, and calamities. See, you didn't have to put that one in there. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's the third step. You admit, you ask God for help, and you receive God's strength daily. Daily. That is that small, I admit, God, I'm weak in my finances. I'm weak in my relationships. I'm weak in my marriage. I'm weak in my relationship with my kids. I'm weak. I can't overcome. I can't get any further. I can't see it grow. I'm not seeing it grow. God says, okay, and here's what we want to do. We want God, God, just work a miracle. Just, just wave your hand, and all of that's just going to be fixed in a way. And Paul says, I did that three times, and it didn't come. It didn't happen. Now What? Paul says, Am I just going to give up? Paul says, No. I'm going to admit that I'm weak. I'm going to ask God every day for grace. And I'm going to receive his strength every day to move forward. When God's strength consistently meets our weaknesses, we grow. We grow. When God's strength meets, when God's strength consistently meets our weaknesses, we grow. Isn't that what we want? Better? Growth? To move forward in our life? Better in our finances? Better in our relations? Better in our relationship with God? The small things, consistently over time, daily doing this exercise will lead to these things. And here's a review for you, if you want to write these down. Paul boasted by admitting his strengths. His grace received grace because he asked God daily for help. And he received the strength of God every day, every day. You cannot avoid hardship. You cannot avoid persecution. You cannot avoid calamities. You cannot avoid loss or sickness or weakness. They are like the air we breathe in this life. It happens to all of us at some time in our life. But there's hope because Paul became content with all of his weaknesses because he tapped into the strength of God daily. You too can tap into the strength of God. Here's what I want to give you this little prayer. It's A very simple prayer that you can write down while I'm talking. Do it every day. You should pray more than this, but I'm just saying in this area. Lord, I need you. You're admitting you need help. Please give me, please give me your strength for the day. There's, I need you. I, You know, I need your strength if you do this every day, then when you feel like you can't go on or you feel like you're going to quit or you feel like you're going to give up or you're going to give up on your marriage or you're going to give up on your finances or you're going to give up on your weight or you're going to give up on your relationship with God or you're going to give up on this and this and this and this. You need to pray this. Lord, I need you now because I'm weak. Please give me your strength to push on. Jared, 2019, you'll forever remember that day, won't you? Why? It's the year they told you you have cancer. Well, we're going, it was close. Listen, man, tap into his strength. There's going to be days when it's going to be difficult to keep it together tap into his strength. Here's the thing. I can't promise you it's all going to be okay in this life. But I will tell you this. He's promised his strength is sufficient and his grace is sufficient. And you're going to grow through this, both of you, the whole family. You're going to grow through this. Amen. Jack's been a hard year, hasn't it? Lost. Your, we lost Marita this year. There's days it's hard to go on, right? Yep. His strength is perfect, brother. When you don't think you can go on, Jesus is in you and through you. Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for the today. You say, wow, Pastor, you're putting people on the spot. No, these are people who have had a hard year. And I just want you to see this is real. This isn't just something that I'm saying. There's days that you can't go on. And you need Jesus. You need that strength. Because you're out of strength. You're out of answers. You have no more solutions. And He promises us. He'll be there for us. Amen. Father, I pray this morning that as we are closing, and I know, Lord, you've been here today and we've gone a little long and maybe people are like i got a super bowl party to get to but we want better (laughs) and i'm acknowledging today lord in my life i can't have better because at some point in the journey i'm going to run out of strength i'm going to run out of will i'm going to run out of solutions i'm going to run out And the only way I'm going to get over that, the only way I'm going to keep running the race is to daily come to you and say, Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength today. Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength today. The small things, Lord, the small things over time will lead to big things. And so may we all make this commitment and come to the starting line. And may we all settle in our hearts that we're going to run this race. And then when it gets hard and when we want to quit. Lord, we're going to be reminded that there is a power in us that is unlimited. It's unlimited. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Real quick, we're going to just close and we'll get you out of here. But real quick. um, I am doing a baptism service on the 16th.